see needs know that, that God is calling us to care for our city. And, and we're called to do that because we're citizens of the kingdom of God. When Jesus Christ came, he came and he brought a, a, a life and a reality. And that's what we're talking about this year. Life in the kingdom of God. It's a blessed life. It's a life that brings glory to God. It is, it is truly the good life because it's in the kingdom. And we're, let's remember what the kingdom of God is. It's the governing authority of Jesus over powers, people, and places for God's praise according to the scriptures. God is at work in the world. For all of us who believe the kingdom of God has come and it is still growing in us. And the kingdom of God has come because Jesus Christ has, has been raised and because he is Lord, his kingdom is now spreading through us. The kingdom of God is on the move in us and through us. And one of the ways we partner in that movement of God is through prayer. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at what the, the, we've come to know as the Lord's Prayer. It's in Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. We think of it as the, the kingdom prayer. And all of us need to, as citizens of the kingdom of God, we need to be praying the prayer of the kingdom of God. And today, we're going to look at that last section. And we're going to talk about how we need to pray the kingdom victory. Last week, we talked about praying with kingdom hope. And that kingdom hope is the forgiveness that we have because of the gospel. But having gained that forgiveness, we are now allowed and enabled to, to have a new life. And that new life is in the victory of Christ. It's a kingdom victory. Charles Simeon is very helpful in getting our, our, our attention on this whole issue of, of what, it, what it means for a redeemed person, a saint, someone who's been born again, to live this life. He says, a truly regenerate person will desire deliverance from sin as much as from hell itself. When I was saved, I, will, I, I, I tell it plainly, I came to believe in, in hell and I knew that's where I was going. But God stepped in and I trusted Jesus Christ and I am no longer headed to hell. I'm headed to heaven because of the grace given me in Jesus Christ. But there is a greater freedom than, than just beyond the fear of hell. There is a, a new life. See, he knows that he could not be happy even in heaven if sin remained in any respect dominion over him. Hence... Having implored pardon for his past sins, he will, with equal earnestness, desire victory over his remaining corruptions. This is the victory we have in Christ. This is the kingdom victory. We're able to, to overcome the power of sin. The punishments of sin has already been dealt with, but now through the risen Christ, we now have this freedom. When Jesus came, he came and he won Two wonderful victories that we see in the gospel. And so, again, when we use the three circles, we use that very powerful picture of the gospel. These, these very simple symbols. The, the symbol of the arrow going down. God came down, lived a holy life. Jesus Christ, he died on the cross to pay for our sins. On the third day, he was raised and he is now alive. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And through the, that action... He has brought the kingdom victory. And so Jesus is, he is victorious over the power of sin. In Matthew chapter four, and let me encourage you to go and read this today. This is Matthew chapter four. Uh, what you'll notice, you need to get the context, it's right after Jesus was baptized. That it says that the spirit of God led him into the desert to be tempted, fasted for 40 days and he dealt with the devil and he overcame every temptation. Jesus never sinned. And his victory is now applied to us. We now have that power, same power that, that Christ had to overcome temptation. We have it because he's alive in us. 
But what was interesting, in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 4, after the temptation, it says that the devil then departed. But Luke, the good doctor, in his Gospel, he gave a little bit more insight. Look what it says. This is Luke chapter 4, uh, Luke chapter 4, verse 13. It says, and when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him. Look at this. Until an opportune time. The devil wasn't done with Jesus. And friends, you need to know, so long as you live on this planet, he's not done with you. He is always going to come after you. Now, if you're saved, he cannot have your soul. But what he wants to do is to make a fool of you. And he wants to embarrass the father. Every time you sin, the devil's making a fool of you. And you are embarrassing your father. The devil knows he cannot have your soul. But his goal now is to rob God of glory and you of blessing. And so we are called to, to be aware, to be alert. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. Sin wants to devour you. The devil wants to use it to embarrass you, to embarrass your father. And, and so we must be aware of the victory that Christ has already won over temptation. We can live in that victory because he's already won. We can live in Christ and so we can sing this prayer. And that's why we, we just sang this prayer. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for the, thy courts above. And, and that's what Christ has done. The victory is done, but the battle's not. And so we're going to have to fight every single day, realizing that Jesus has already won that victory over temptation. And he's going to have to win it every day in us. And he's won the victory over sin's punishment. Jesus has paid the full penalty for our sin and now is reigning, reigning, ruling in victory. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse one, therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. By the victory of Jesus, when he died on the cross, he paid for the punishment of our sin. He, he received the wrath of God, the just wrath of God that we deserve for our sin. And now the penalty for our sin is paid in full if we will receive that gift. And because he is alive, we can now, we can cast off that sin that so easily entangles those weights that would, that would bring us down. We can trust in Christ and our, and our gaze can get up. Our eyes can be high. We can look to Christ. We can walk in this freedom and we can overcome these, these impediments that are going to keep us from the victory. This is the life we're designed for. Christ died to give us new life. This life is God's design for us. And this is what is known as the kingdom victory of Christ. It is a life that blesses us and it glorifies God. Never forget this. We said this at the very first sermon uh, of this year. I, I repeated it again a couple weeks ago. I'm going to repeat this from time to time to remind you we are in a war zone. In our world, there is at work, there is at war three kingdoms. First of all, there's the kingdom of God. And that kingdom is under Jesus. There's the kingdom of humanity, and that is under us. And then there's the kingdom of darkness, and it is under the devil. Now, the kingdom of humanity 
is its own outright kingdom, but it is loyal to either the kingdom of God or to the kingdom of darkness. Again, I remind you about human beings. Human beings are born under the dominion of darkness, but Jesus rescues people in order to free them to live in the kingdom of God. You are currently in either submission to the kingdom of God or to the kingdom of darkness. And the kingdom of humanity is torn. And so we have to choose. We have to choose which kingdom we as the kingdom of humanity will serve. And each one of us must make that choice. And it's an important choice. It will determine everything about who we are and what we become. Those who are born again, we're made citizens of the kingdom of God. And this kingdom now, this victory is one that we can live in and that we are to pray for. And that's what our text teaches us today. How to live in and pray for the kingdom victory given to us in Christ Jesus. Now, if you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Reese is going to come and read for us the entire prayer. Reese, come on up. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. She's going to read for us the entire prayer, but we're going to focus on verse 13. So Reese, go ahead and read the whole prayer for us, okay? Matthew 6, 9 through 13. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it was heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us of our debts as we also have have forgiven our debtors and lead us not to temptation but deliver us from evil the grass withers and the flower falls but the word of the lord remains forever amen amen if you would be seated and pray now for the preaching of god's word well well done reese thank you i want to show you something i haven't really uh pointed this out um to you but i wanted to be sure that, that you saw this before we before we started our new series next week. Look at the Lord's Prayer. I want, to sh- I want to show you something. I want to show you there's two sections there. There's one section that pertains particularly to God, that we are to pray for certain things for God. And then there's a section that we are to pray for us. There, there's a particular section where we pray for us. For us. And so the first one, you'll, the section you'll notice that we are to pray for God to have his name to be hallowed, his kingdom to come, and his will to be done. The next section, there are, there are, three, there are three prayers there. Our, we are to, to pray for us to have our daily bread to be provided, our forgiveness to be gained and given, and then what we'll see today, our victory over sin to be realized. Now, that second petition is tied to the third petition. And so speaking of those three particular petitions, uh, the, the Daniel Doriani in his commentary says this, The third petition proceeds logically from the second. The man or woman who is free from the guilt of sin also wants relief from its tyranny. The previous petition asks for release from the guilt and penalty of sin. This one seeks release from its power and corruption. When we're praying, when we're praying this last petition, what we're asking is for God's power to bring this victory already provided in Christ so that we're no longer under the tyranny of the kingdom of darkness, but we are living happily as citizens of the kingdom of God under our Lord and Savior and King Jesus Christ. There is this power that that frees us. That is the kingdom victory. There's there's three things I would encourage you to note and to remember about, about this victory that we have. It's this experience that we have. Remember and write down, kingdom victory comes first of all 
when we live in and pray for God's direction. God's direction. When we live in and pray for God's direction. The, the, the third petition begins, look at verse 13, and lead us. Lead us. We are to ask God to lead us in, in a wise and blessed course. Uh, Jesus Christ is the perfect leader. If you study leadership, what you'll find, there are, there are three functions that impact the head, heart, and hands. And what we know about Jesus Christ is, is he is the ultimate leader. He is the, he is the perfect prophet. He speaks only truth. He is the perfect priest. He, mediate, he mediates holy grace. And he's the perfect king. He gives loving authority. More than his actions, the, the, the very personification, his very existential being, Jesus Christ is the ultimate leader. He said of himself in John 14, 6, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. He is everything we could ever want or hope for to guide our lives, to direct our lives. And one of, one of the Lord's favorite, one of his favorite metaphors is, is a beautiful metaphor. It's shepherd. One of the way Jesus often spoke of himself, the way the Father, God, often speaks of himself as the shepherd. And if you are a citizen of the kingdom of God, you can say this of God. You can say, the Lord is my shepherd. Say, say this with me. Let's say this. It's up there. Let's say, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That is the blessing of every citizen of the kingdom of God. We have a king who understands that we are sheep, easily, easily taken and deceived. But he guides us, he leads us, and he does that now through the Holy Spirit. John 14 through 16, I, I, I often reference those verses because they're, they're very, very important uh, theologically because it's where Jesus describes the work of the Holy Spirit that at that time was to come. And so Jesus says something very powerful in John 16, 13 about the Holy Spirit. He said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you. He will guide you into all the truth. And so what we have is this God who's not abandoned us to figure out things on our own. We have this savior who has come, who has now sent his spirit, who is guiding us. And in order to be guided by God, in, in order to enjoy the blessing of God's direction, we have to humble ourselves. We have to humble ourselves and be willing to be led. The Israelites struggled with this. Coming out of Egypt, all they did was complain. Going towards the promised land, all they did was complain. Over and over, he had to keep discipline. Come on, y'all, come on, y'all. Once they got into the promised land, as, as we'll see here in a couple of weeks, they struggled. They struggled to humble themselves, to, to be directed by God. Friends, we, we, must, we must not be like what they were. Listen this is how they're described in Psalm 78.8. You do not want God to say this of you. 
a stubborn and rebellious generation, a generation whose heart was not steadfast, whose spirit was not faithful to God. Friends, to be directed by God, we've got to humble ourselves and, and then we've got to hear God's direction. We've got to hear it. We have to hear from God. We must be willing to know and understand the Bible. The Bible provides God's direction. Psalm 119, 105, I love this. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Think about what that means, a light to my feet. That means I can see what's, what's trying to, to trip me up right now. I can see the pits and pitfalls and the things that would cause me pain and problems. At the same time, he's lighting my path. I can see the direction because again, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we're able to walk in the life and the truth in this way that brings to God's blessing. But to do that, we have to humble ourselves. We have to say, God, I don't know what you know. I don't get all that you get, but I, I trust you. And so I'm going to understand what you're saying to me through your word. And then I'm going to heartily obey your commands. We have to humble ourselves, hear God's direction, and then heartily obey his commands. Now, now to obey Jesus, friends, you don't have to understand everything uh, about Jesus and what's going to happen. Jesus is often not going to give you the A to Z to your life. He's just going to give you your next step. And sometimes you're not going to like that next step. Sometimes you're not going to understand why, why do I have to do this? The rest of the world's doing whatever they want to do. Why can't I do what I ever want to do? Because you're under a king who loves you. And, and if you will humble yourself and hear his word and heartily obey his commands, th there's a blessing there. You know, I have a, I have a good dog. My dog is Charlie. He is a good dog. There's Charlie. He's a good boy. Now, he doesn't understand half of what's going on. He doesn't understand 10% of what's going on. He has a very few words that he understands. It, you know, walk, woo, he's up. You know, now he does tell time. I don't know how, because 10 o'clock every night, he walks in and looks at me and is like, it's time for bed, old man, let's go. He clearly understands no, right? And eat and treat. Yeah, he loves that word, but he doesn't understand. He, and, and you know what, to his credit, he doesn't understand a lot of times when I'm telling him to do something that he's got to do it. Like this morning, we, we go and he needs to relieve himself. And he looks at me as though I'm in charge of the weather, right? And he's like, you want me to go out and do what when it's this? You know, he looks at me like, are you serious? And, and so I get it. He doesn't know what I know. He's got to go. He's got to go. He's got, because he ain't going in here. He's got to go. And so he doesn't want to. He doesn't understand why, but he obeys. Friends, we're not always going to understand God. We're not always going to like it, but we heartily obey because we can trust him. Now, now, Charlie cannot talk. My wife understands everything that he wants. See, yeah, it's, it's amazing. She speaks Charlie, but I do not because I don't guess I care. I just want him to do what I tell him to do. But you know what is great about God? He does care. He does care what we think. And you know what? He wants us to talk to him. And he has given us the capacity to talk to him. We hear from him through his word. He hears from us through prayer. And we have a, a conversation about his will. If we will humble ourselves, if we will hear him speak and then heartily obey, friends, there is a blessing. There's a blessing. God will guide us generally. And then, of course, specifically, he'll lead us to freedom. And that's the second thing that you need to write down and remember is that kingdom victory comes when we live in and pray for God's deliverance. God's deliverance. 
We are to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. We've already discussed how God has saved us and and how he is now working to move us to sanctify us. And, and, And as those who repent and believe the gospel, we have to remember what we've been saved from, what we're being saved to. What have we been saved from and to? Colossians 1.13. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. And now we are able to live in the victory of Jesus. He's already paid for our sin. He's, he's already overcome sin. And so now we can live in his victory and he's commanding us to live in it and to pray for this deliverance from temptation. Now, theologically, I I understand, and I had to work through a lot of of my notes and to remember a lot of this, and I'm not going to lay all this on you, but there there are those who make very serious um, accusations against God, and they also have difficult understanding because it appears that we are to pray that God would not lead us to temptation, that God has a desire for us to be tempted and therefore fail. Now, I'm not going to get into the etymology of it, but I I do want us to realize that God does not tempt us to sin. There's a Bible verse I want you to know. This is James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15. Let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. But each person, where does temptation come from? Where does this happen? Each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, birth, uh, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Friends, temptation is a result of our natural desire. And what we are to pray for is for God to free us from our natural desire to sin. And we are to pray that we would not be led into temptation. This is what hours before Jesus died for our sin. He told Peter the same thing, the same thing we're being told to pray. He told Peter to pray. Look, this is Matthew 26, 41. Jesus said to Peter that night, watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. Friends, we too must pray and overcome the weakness of our flesh. We live in a fallen world and our flesh is still loyal to the way of this world. And so we've got to be smart. We've got to be smart and we've got to understand what uniquely tempts us. Because see, what what tempts you may not tempt me. And what tempts me may not even be an issue for you. And you need to be very careful about judging other people when their temptation is different than yours. Because there there are those who, who sometimes, and I hear them say this, it's like, I don't understand why that's a big deal. Or who in the world would be bothered or tempted with that? Well, why in the world are you bothered by what you're tempted by? See, we each have a unique temptation. It says in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned, look at this, everyone to his own way. We each have our own way of sin. We each have our own way of difficulty. I I think it has been duly noted and understood that I have a problem eating too many M&Ms. I confess that. I I understand that. And so I I have come to the realization that I can no longer carry packets of M&Ms in my pockets or in my jacket. I know that now. 
Now, it, this comes with some consequences because a, a young person approached me last week and they, they told me the three circles in its entirety. And I would usually give a pack of M&Ms to someone who did that, which some of you had forgotten that I did that, but I, that's what I do. But I can't carry M&Ms around with me anymore because they are way too much of a temptation. And so I'm thinking about making a switch. I am in no way, in no way, typically tempted with Skittles. If you like Skittles, I am so happy for you. And I'm glad that that's your temptation, but it is not mine. Nor are raisins. So I'm thinking I might get some Skittles and some raisins to give out when you, probably just Skittles. But nonetheless, you got to know what tempts you. You got to know if it's right there in front of you, you're probably going to consume. You're probably going to step into it. You're probably going to say it. You're probably going to do it. You need to know what tempts you and then you need to get away from it. So that's the second. Figure out what tempts you. Secondly, flee from temptation. Flee. Remember what Joseph did when when faced with with sin? Genesis 39, 12. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Run! You don't get extra credit for standing in the midst of of, of temptation and not sinning. You're just showing your ignorance. Don't do it. Here's what I think when people are like, I can take it. I can take it. I can stand. I can take it and not sin. Here's what I think of when I see people that have that attitude. It's this, it's, it's like these people I've seen recently on, on, on reels. There's this competition. It's called a slapping competition. Have you heard of this slapping competition where Two large people get across a counter from one another and slap each other. And the loser is the one who gets knocked out. This is not wise. This is not wise. So if you see a large person and you're standing over a counter and they're going to slap you, run. Just run. But here's what some of you are doing. I can stand this temptation. I can take it. Didn't knock me out. Friends, that is foolish. Why take a beating from the devil? Just run. You say, well, that's cowardly. No, that's smart. That's smart. Listen, figure out what tempts you. Figure it out. And don't judge other people about what tempts them. And and when it comes, run. Flee temptation. And and the last thing, if you find yourself in the midst of it, and that will happen, it's going to happen. Find, hear what I'm saying, find the way out. Say, why do I say find the way out? Listen to what the scripture says. This is uh, 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. Understand, even, even if you think, well, I'm the only one who struggles with this particular temptation. No, you're not. No, you're not. Everyone struggles with temptation now. What I have found is that most people struggle with either power, pleasure, popularity, or possessions. Almost every temptation falls under one of those four. And and yours is one of those, I'm certain of it. And and what you need to understand is when, when you're in the midst of this, understand you're not the only one, but remember, God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, look at this, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. God provides the way out. This, this text reminds us that God does allow temptation. He doesn't cause it, he allows it. 
And when it's there, he, he also has the power to limit it to the point of which we can discern that it's there and flee. And if not flee, know the way out and then sneak out. If you can't run away, sneak away. Find the way. Find that, that place where you get out of it. Figure out what's going on with you. Get away from that. But if you find yourself in the middle of it, understand that it's, it's, there's a way out. Take the way out. And I know that some people theologically get so frustrated. They say, well, why, why does God even allow it? Why do he allow the, the two trees in the garden? Why does he allow temptation? Here's why. Because God doesn't want robots. God wants volitional creatures that choose to love him. Because when we choose to love and obey God, we make a fool of the devil. See, we are on his turf and our flesh is loyal to his cause. And every time we say, no, no devil, I'm gonna obey God, even though I don't even understand all of why I have to obey God, even though I don't get fully what God's doing right now, even though I don't understand my circumstances, I'm going to obey God. It makes a fool of the devil and brings glory to God and blessing to us. Every time you sin, the devil's making a fool of you and our father. Make a fool of the devil. Make a fool of him and bring glory to God and blessing to yourself. And then and, and you'll be able to get what God has determined to give. What God has absolutely determined to give to, to the citizens of the kingdom of God. And that's the third thing I would encourage you to remember. Kingdom victory comes when we live in and pray for God's determination. God's determination. What has God determined? He's determined to deliver us from evil. Now, if you have the NIV, uh, it, it will say the evil one. And, and both are, are right. Both are right. Here's why. The Greek, I'm not going to put it all in front of you. It's two panaru, two panaru. Uh, it's, in a, and it's, a different case, it's in a specific case. But if it were the, the subject, it would say ha panaru, which would be the evil one. So understand, they're both the same thing. It's evil. There is an evil one and there's an evil that is at work. And we now need to know that we who are saved, that, that we, are, we are to live holy lives. That's God's determination. He is determined to make us holy. It says, again, back to 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 14 through 16. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And to be holy is to be like Jesus. And the only way you can be like Jesus is to know him personally. Friends, it's not enough that you know about Jesus. The devils know about Jesus. Do, do you love Jesus? See, we, we, must, we must know Jesus personally and we must love Jesus passionately. And here's what happens. When you know Jesus personally and he's your king and your Lord and you love Jesus passionately, well, you then obey Jesus purposefully. You choose to, to, to obey him. You want to obey him and you do it for his glory and your blessing. I appreciate what Spurgeon said on this. Rest assured, Christ will not live in the parlor of the heart of our hearts if we entertain the devil in the cellar of our thoughts. Vanquish the evil, vanquish the influence, choose to live for Christ. And when you're in the midst of it, honor him, 
do what God has determined to do. And the best way to do that is to not see God the way the devil wants us to see God. From the very beginning in the garden, what, what the devil wanted to do was to convince us that God was our enemy, that God was our enemy and he was trying to keep us from what we wanted. Friends, no. What, what, what we must realize is that God wants what is best for us. And so friends, it's not enough. It's not good. It's not wise. I, I would tell you, it's not effective to simply live a life on your willpower saying, I'm going to say no to sin. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. That won't work. Your willpower is not strong enough. What do you need? Here's what you need. And here's what you have in Christ Jesus. You need a better yes. A better yes will always overcome a simple no. Let me explain. When I was a kid, there was on our lunch plates, there was on the walls, this, this phrase said, say no to drugs. Say no to drugs. Now, I'm going to tell you, many of you know my testimony. Before I came to Christ, I didn't have a problem with drugs. I didn't care about drugs. My friends did drugs. I didn't judge them because I didn't care. I, I didn't do drugs for a simple reason. It wasn't because I was a moral person or because I have a moral issue with drugs. I didn't. Here's why I didn't do drugs. I drank, but I did not do drugs ever. Is because my football coach told me that they were gonna drug test me. And if I tested positive for drugs that I could not play football. So he said to me, Pettis, you can do drugs or you can play football, but you can't do both. My better yes was football. It wasn't because I was a moral person. It wasn't because I was a good person. It's because I, I wanted something more than this. Here's what God says to us. I have for you a life designed and made for you. And I love you. And I want you to say yes to the life that I've died for you to have. That's what Jesus says. He, he wants you to do more than just say, I'm going to say no this time. I'm going to say no this time. I'm gonna... No, because there's going to be a time when you won't. Instead, say yes. Yes to God's love. Yes to God's leadership. Yes to God's plan. Yes, even though I don't understand everything that's going on. Yes, the answer is yes, Jesus. Yes, because you love me and you want what is best for me. The answer is yes. And as soon as you say that, the devil has to flee. That's what's so amazing. When you draw near to God and you say, Lord, the answer, no matter what, is yes. No matter how uncomfortable it makes me, yes. The devil flees. It says in, in James chapter four, verse seven, this is so good. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Yes, God. Yes, I submit. Whatever you want, your word says it. Yes, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Turn your back on the devil, set your eyes on Jesus Christ and the devil has to go away. He doesn't like the light. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Understand you're prone to wander. Tell the Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. But then come to him and say, take my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it in heaven. I want you. You're my yes. Is God your yes? Is Christ your yes? Friends, that can only happen if you know Jesus personally. If you if you love him passionately, 
And if you're obeying him purposefully, and I, I, just, I just know that some of you aren't. So let's pray about that. Let's stand together. As we're standing, I'm going to have our care leaders, if you don't mind, to come forward. Deacons and elders and women of care, those of you who have been trained for care, if you don't mind, to come forward. The rest of us, let's pray together. Father, I can't help but know that in our midst today, there are some who are struggling and they see no way out because they, they are on their own. Lord Jesus, they need you to forgive them and, and to be the victory in their life, victory over the punishment and power of sin. And if you want that right now, if you've never repented and believed, if you've never asked Christ to forgive you and take over your life, do it right now. Tell them you sin, tell them you're wrong and ask him to forgive you and ask him to take over your life. Tell him, yes, yes, Lord, yes. And then come and talk with one of these leaders. They're here to help you. Some of you are children of our King, but you're, you're playing with sin. Some of you are swimming in it. Stop. Tell the Lord right now that you're wrong repent, get out of it, stop. And do it because you love Jesus. Do it because he loves you. Tell the Lord that you love him, that you trust him, that you're gonna obey him because you love him and because you trust him. Do you need help? I got good news. He sent a helper. The Holy Spirit will help you. Your church will help you. We're here together to help one another in Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Right now, ask God to help you. Oh, Father, there's a victory in trusting you. And Lord, I know that there's some today, they need to come and talk with someone. They need to come while everyone else is leaving. They just need to come and kneel before you here at the front and take some time just to, first of all, thank you for your goodness and then ask you to intervene in their life or maybe the life of someone they love and care about. Lord, hear them as they pray to you. God, give them some friends to grab hands with them and come and just pray with them. These care leaders are here to pray with them. God, lead them, Holy Spirit, to come and pray, to find strength and renewal and hope. And the blessing, the blessing that comes in the kingdom victory. Lord, do it for your glory and our good. In Jesus' name, amen.